and I thought, well, I think I can jog for 60 seconds. <laughs> and, um, and so it, it took another, I think it was like another six months, maybe even, before I actually did it, and I didn't tell anybody, and I went down in this ravine um, in our neighborhood where nobody could see me, and I leashed up the dog because I didn't want to do it by myself, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I had a kitchen timer, a digital kitchen timer mm-hmm. that I carried with me, mm-hmm. and I jogged for 60 seconds, and it was just like this interval for 60 seconds, jog, 60 seconds, walk, you do that for like you know, 20 minutes or something like that. Hi listeners, this is Carolee Walker, a writer living in Washington, D.C. Today my guest is author Nita Sweeney, whose memoir, Depression Hates a Moving Target, will be out this month. If it isn't hard enough to get out the door and exercise, tack on some serious chronic depression. I know, it's not easy under the best of circumstances. Nita's new book tells the story of the author's surprisingly triumphant efforts first small and then epic, to climb her way back to some kind of life worth living. Reeling from the deaths of too many family members and coping for years with bipolar disease and depression, Nita becomes inspired by the social media posts of a high school friend. She hauls her 49-year-old body off the couch, leashes up her yellow lab, Morgan, and heads out the door for a jog. She's overweight and out of shape, and grabs a kitchen timer to take with her. She runs for 60 seconds. Exhausted yet exhilarated, Nita keeps this up day after day, and before long, she's spending more money on running gear than on nearly anything else. I can certainly relate to that. Listeners, there are so many things I love about this book. It's well-written, and it's easy to care about Nita and the people around her. And as an older runner, I connect with Nita's efforts to be part of the running community, which in my experience is incredibly welcoming to runners of all ages. Like me, Nita is a back-of-the-pack marathon finisher who's always got a race coming up. As she trains and runs with Fleet Feet Sports in Columbus, Ohio, she pushes through the social anxiety many of us feel around younger, thinner, fitter women runners. She finds her group, sticks to her training schedule, and without too much awareness or even effort, and to her own amazement, she finds herself exercising nearly every single day. Need is careful to note that running is not a substitute for treatment, such as medication and therapy. It's just one more tool in the toolbox to help her cope and feel hopeful in spite of everything else. So here you go, my conversation with Nita Sweeney. Hi, Nita. It's Carolee Walker. How are you? Okay. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Uh, Sounds like you're a busy lady. Uh, Probably no busier than you or anyone else, actually. But I'm really glad to uh, take this time to check in with you and hear about what you're up to and your projects and your book and your dog. So (laughs) I'm just really looking forward to our conversation. Okay, good. Have you um, already been on a run today? Uh, Not today. I ran, um, this is the first day I haven't run uh, in five days. I ran Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and last night, Mm. and then we'll run tomorrow morning. I don't run every day. Um, Probably about four times a week is my kind of average, usually four times. So it's like my minimum. It's about four times a week. Yeah. And do you um, do you always run with your dog? No, uh-uh. and um, the dog. I hate to even say this. The dog that's in the 
book actually died in November of last year, and mm. we have a new we have a new puppy. Oh, okay. But she's just getting into training, so she can go about a mile now. <laughs> so um, some days I like if I run with my friends, you know, I can't run her for a mile and then take her back home and then run with them because we're at a park someplace. So sure. um, she doesn't get as much time in as. Uh, uh, or as many miles as I used to with Morgan, but uh, but yeah, when I when Morgan was alive, I ran. Um, anytime I ran alone, I ran in my neighborhood and I ran with him, or I'd take him to the park and we'd run. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm in a group, and so for the group long runs on Saturday, I wouldn't take him because it's a huge group. It's, yeah. Um, uh, like you know, like a thousand runners. So. Oh my goodness, um, that's fantastic. So let's yeah, just back is. up. Let's just back up for a second then. Because um, there's a lot to fill in the blanks here. So yeah. why don't you, you know, tell my listeners and tell me a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your dog and um, about running with your dog. And um, and then we can talk about your book, too. Great. Okay. Well, I'm Nita Sweeney, and I live in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and in 2010, I um, was in a very, very severe depressive cycle um, and was having trouble. I was on medication and therapy um, and just was having trouble functioning. And I had exercised other periods of my life, but I'd sort of fallen off the wagon of that and then, um, you know, gained a lot of weight and just, just became really sedentary. How old, then, um, how old were you at that time? I, uh, let's see, I would have been... 49. Okay. I was just, I was about like a year from 50. <laughs> it was like it was a little bit before, it might have been before my 49th birthday. So it was, it was sort of, you know, 50 was in the window mm-hmm. and uh, uh, on the horizon. And um, I had one friend who had fibromyalgia who kept talking about how when she broke a sweat, her depression from her fibromyalgia. Um, would calm down and she'd get more energy and she'd feel more alive. Hmm. And then I started seeing these posts from one of my high school friends and then a woman who's a little bit younger than me, but not much, who lives in London, who's like a writing, an online writing friend. And they had both taken up running. They were doing, you know, kind of a interval training, couch to 5K, sofa surfer kind of uh, program. And they kept, each of them kept writing about wow, this is actually fun, and oh, I just bought my first, you know, she was in London, so, oh, I just bought my first pair of trainers, and it, you know, and I just got, it was just sort of like this infection of, wow, if they can do it, maybe I can't, and then I went to one of the websites, and I saw that it said 60 seconds of jogging, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, I think I can jog for 60 seconds, <laughs> and, um, and so it, it took another, I think it was like another six months, maybe even, before I actually did it. And I didn't tell anybody. And I went down in this ravine um, in our neighborhood where nobody could see me. And I leashed up the dog because I didn't want to do it by myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had a kitchen timer, a digital kitchen timer mm-hmm. that I carried with me. <laughs> and I jogged for 60 seconds. And it was just like this interval for 60 seconds, jog, 60 seconds, walk. You do that for like, you know, 20 minutes or something like that. And... Um, um, were you wearing um, running shoes? Were you wearing running shoes? I was wearing um, trail shoes. They were like hiking trail shoes, mm-hmm. not running trail shoes. <laughs> I had a pair of Velcro um, 
shoes, but that just felt too matronly. So I did put some lace-up shoes on, but I had um, heavy cotton sweatpants and a heavy cotton sweatshirt, a long sleeve t-shirt. It was in March. Mm-hmm. So it was coldish, but not that cold. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know anything about, you know, cotton kills or anything. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't learn any of that until much later. And uh, But that's where it started. And I just I didn't tell anybody for a while, and then eventually, you know, I told my husband, and he, he's just been through everything with me, and uh, so that was in March of 2010, and that was three full marathons, 26 half marathons, and over 60 shorter races ago. So, wow. Um, so when you, um, when you first started running in those 60-second intervals, like in the ravine with your dog, did you yeah. feel any lift in your mood and your spirit? When I was done, I am, well, actually, after that first 60 seconds, I almost immediately felt like this, this could be a solution. I mean, wow. not, you know, it's not a cure, but I just, I just thought, I just did something I didn't think I could do. Hmm. And, um, and then, and at the end, I remember just feeling, and well, the other thing that was happening was I kept dreaming that I was flying, hmm. but then I had this recurring dream, but it turned out I was dreaming that I was running. Hmm. And um, and after that first time, I thought, this is what that dream feels like. And I mean, I was clodding along at mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. twenty minute miles. It was yeah. not. We were yeah. not flying here yeah. at all. Yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, almost immediately, I felt just that even just the sense of accomplishment because I was doing nothing. I mean, I really was stuck. Mm-hmm. We had all these people, like family members and friends, die, and I would just you know my writing wasn't going well. It was just like everything was stuck, stuck, stuck. Mm. And so the movement, I, I think it could have been any kind of movement. It mm. just happened to be running for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it just got me moving. I mean, it just, you know, in many, many ways. So, yeah, I felt almost an immediate um, lift, yeah. You know, I mean, one of the things that I think about, um, you know, I I have some of the same uh, responses when I run. I just, I just, no matter what I'm dealing with, I just feel better. And maybe, yeah. you know, you know, like your issues don't go away, but you, you just have like a sense that you feel better. And I just wonder, uh, I always, I always want to be careful, and I've read about this, about talking about organic ways to make yourself feel better when you may have like real medical oh, reasons yeah. for... Oh, yeah. I yeah. am still on medication. I still... My next appointment today is with my therapist. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I still have all of that in my life. Right. But the diff- the difference is that I have not needed to increase or change my medication in almost five years. Wow. Okay. And in the past, because I've been on medication since 1994, and in the past, about every couple of years, it would just stop working, and we'd have to try something new, and then I'd lose, you know, kind of like months because it would slowly decline and then I'd crash and then it doesn't, it's not like something a switch so you go on a new medication and it doesn't start working right away. And so mm-hmm. I'd lose like three months or four months sometimes mm-hmm. um, where I just couldn't, you know, I wasn't really able to do anything. So no, I, I'm very cautious. Um, I did write a book about this, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about in a little while. And mm-hmm. I'm very, very cautious in my book to talk about the fact that this is not a cure for me. Now it may be for some people who have had much milder cases of depression, um, you know, I have, I'm diagnosed bipolar, and, um, um, and you know, I know that, like, my friend who has fibromyalgia, she is not 
chronically clinically depressed mm -hmm. is fibromyalgia, and she has depressive episodes from that. And so exercise has um, allowed her to get off medication, to not be, you know, uh, not need all the interventions that mm -hmm. some people need. But yeah, I'm really happy to hear that you're cautious about that because mm -hmm. it's not a cure for everybody. And sure, I, and, know, and if it doesn't make you feel better, I don't want people to feel like they are somehow, you know, sabotaging or responsible for their own, yeah. um, you know, cure for depression, for example. So right. I think that it's really, it's, it, you know, I mean, you know, it's, there's so many studies that show that exercise is beneficial for your sense of well-being, regardless of what you're going through, um, what yeah. your medical issues might be, but it is a way to help you withstand some difficult times, get through them, and... Yeah, I see it as just like another tool in the toolkit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just another very powerful tool, but it has to sit in the toolbox alongside other just as important tools. Have you discovered any particular tips or things that work for you to get you out to exercise when you're feeling low and you don't feel like going? The biggest thing I, you know, well, actually there's two things. One is signing up for a race so that I, and having a training schedule, even if it's, you know, a 5K, mm -hmm. it could be a one-mile sprint, whatever it is, but having a training schedule that says I should do X number of miles on this day, mm -hmm. you know, at this pace, although I don't, I don't pay as much attention to pace as mm -hmm. more of the miles, um, because there's something very satisfying about checking that off. Yeah. And if I see the schedule, I don't have to decide. Mm -hmm. It's already set. I just go, oh, yeah, today's two miles. Okay, we go do that. And, and that's the one thing. So having a schedule, having a training plan, and a goal, so a race or mm -hmm. um, a group run, something that I, I'm working toward. For me right now, it's mostly half marathons. I'm trying to do one in each of the 50 states. And um, <laughs> so, uh, so I always have that. Like I have, I have a bookcase in my office, and I always have the training plan taped to the side of the bookcase. The mm -hmm. other thing is a group, yes. um, having, you know, other people who are just saying, hey, it's Wednesday night, should we meet at, you know, the high school again and head to, head to the trail and, you know, maybe go out for coffee after or, hey, it's what, Monday morning, I think I'm going to go to the reservoir and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so what so, kind of oh, group um, are, is this a running group or is this like a group yeah. of friends or? Yeah, no, this is, a, this is actually an official running group. Gaithersburg is really, really active here yeah, in this area. They're, they're yeah, they're big on these groups. And our group, we're really lucky because we have everything from, you know, Boston qualifying seven-minute milers to uh, back of the Packers who are walking 18-minute miles. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of in the 13, you know, now, kind of, as of age, I haven't done a lot of speed work because I am really afraid of injuries. Um, mm -hmm. So I Saturday morning, even in between seasons, we'll do stuff like this Saturday, we're going to 
just kind of dress up in their crazy oh, ugly holiday that. gear and, you know, uh, do that. And so, yeah, we just look forward to that. And like I said, a lot of times we go out for coffee afterwards. Or, mm-hmm. um, so, so um, t- can you talk a little bit about running with your dog? I guess the dog yeah. uh, in your book is Morgan. What kind of dog was he? He's a yellow lab. He was a yellow lab. And he was about, I would say he was three or four when I started running with him. And I could have started early. You know, if I started earlier, they, they say about a year and a half to two years for a big breed dog like that. You really don't want to start them running until um, their growth plates have closed. And so mm-hmm. that's where I'm, that's what I'm careful with the, our new dog, Scarlet, who's also a yellow lab, mm-hmm. um, you know, not to run her too hard too long until she's a little more mature. But, but he was, he took to it right away. Well, and the kind of the joke in the book is that it was probably three or four months before of, of he and I running, uh, before he had to break into a trot. I mean, he was walking as I was, quote, jogging, close quote. He would just walk along beside me, and I'm like, shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Mm-hmm. And eventually I did get faster, and eventually he did have to actually, you know, trot. But, um, uh, but he just was a very smooth-tempered dog, mm-hmm. and he uh, occasionally would get in a grumble with another dog, but mostly he was a very, very good dog from the beginning. And um, uh, so that's, that was the, the great thing about him. Um, did you, yeah, did you expect, and we did it, he trained with me, so he did catch the 5k with me, so I yeah. didn't, you know, like, all of a sudden take him out on a six mile run, yeah. but, uh, did you experiment with different ways to leash Morgan when you were running? No, I, um, always used a gentle leader with mm-hmm. him, and, um, uh, and just hold it in your hand, over his nose, and mm-hmm. just put a little pressure on his nose if he pulled, and mm-hmm. that way he couldn't pull me. Mm-hmm. I was always in control of him. I know some people do this thing called can across, where the the dog actually pulls them along. Mm. And I haven't I haven't experimented with that. Um, there's a Facebook group called Running with Dogs, and a lot of them are into can across, and it looks really fun. But um, I don't run that fast, and now I have this crazy puppy that we're trying to train. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. can imagine being drugged down the road, and I don't want that. But um, but yeah, we just used uh, and, and later in, in his later years, uh, I just used a, a choker chain to you know slip mm-hmm. on yeah. over his head. He was perfectly fine. By then, he'd been so well trained. But the, the gentle leader is what we had already been walking him with, and so I just continued with that. And he just trotted on my left side, mm-hmm. just alongside me, and he was up. He'd have to go to the bathroom, and I. You know, sometimes I'd let him stop, and then after yeah. a couple of times, I'd say, okay, guy, now you're just marking your territory. Let's go, you know. Did you hold the leash in your arm as you were pumping your arms, or did you wear the, yeah. the leash around your waist? No, no. Yeah, no, I didn't have it around my waist. I had actually had it on my, um, in my hands. It was a leather leash, and mm-hmm. um, or I think I had a web leash. Then. I forget, but it was just a, you know, like an eight-foot leash with a loop at the end, and mm-hmm. I just had it in my hands, and a lot of times if I was carrying a water bottle, I just have the leash in one hand, but he was so well behaved that I didn't have to, I wasn't, you know, he was just right beside me all the time, wow, and, uh, and that was training, I mean, that took, that had taken a lot of training long before we started running, so, mm-hmm. um, and do you, what about your husband, do you exercise with him? No, he had knee surgery a number of years ago, and um, so he's more the uh, photographer, mm. Uh, extra coat holder, <laughs> cheerleader, yes, you know, that's kind wonderful. of guy. And um, he also, uh, he does his own exercise. He, you know, takes mm-hmm. classes and lifts weights and stuff. He just, uh, he just uh, running does not interest him at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, so, no, uh, 
we you know we support each other and, and he is active but um um but now uh, has your relationship I, changed once you became more active physically active um yeah i think you know it it did in the sense that he was excited for me but he's always been excited i mean i could be you know making uh i don't know what to uh, without you know popsicle stick <laughs> glitter unicorns and he'd be like oh that's great honey you know he's just that kind of guy so mm. um so uh he was a little like when i wanted to run the full marathon he was a little bit concerned that i was manic which mm. i might have been <laughs> yeah. and that i would crash really hard afterwards which i kind of did but um um but that was the only real change was that he just seen me go through the ups and downs so he was a little worried about that but no it didn't um you know i mean he was happy that i lost a little bit of weight i'd been very very thin when we met and then over the years i'd gained weight and then i'd lost it and you know kind of a yo-yo dieting thing mm-hmm. and, and so he was happy that i was getting fit and that i was healthier and um and exercising because he's been always exercised he's always mm-hmm. you know been uh concerned about his health and his weight so um i think yeah but um mostly I think the thing that he sees is the mood change. Yes. Um, good example, last Sunday morning, there was a, a charity run at our local golf course, like five minutes from our house. And I got up and I was so tired and I just said, oh God, I don't know. I just really want to go back to bed and I don't know whether to go or to stay home. And he just looked at me and he goes, Nita, you know the answer, <laughs> you know, because he knows I'll just feel yeah. so much better if I go. Yeah. And so I went and I felt much better. So that's the, that's the thing, is that he sees it as more of a way to keep my mood stable and, um, you know, just to improve my mental health. And I'm a much better person to be around mm-hmm. when I'm calm and when I'm not overly anxious mm-hmm. and when I'm not grumpy and, you know, that. So that's kind of the biggest change, I'd say. Have you found other forms of exercise or cross-training that make you feel that way on days when... Either you have an injury or you just can't run for whatever reason? Yeah, I, I, um, I haven't, since I started running in 2010, I haven't done a lot of other exercise, um, but even walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on the days, like I had a torn meniscus, yes. and it wasn't torn very badly, so that my, uh, my doctor, who happens to be the medical director for our Marathon. Um, he said, just wait three weeks and see what happens, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to walk if you can and just wait three weeks And because he didn't want me to have surgery if I didn't have to. And so during those three weeks, I walked very slowly, but at least I was moving. Um, now, years ago, I did an exercise called Nia, um, kind of a dance that it, it includes a, a bunch of different uh, movement modalities, yoga and Pilates and, you know, different things. And... Um, uh, and that gave me a very similar effect, um, but I had to drive clear across the town to take it. And mm-hmm. then the instructor that I really liked um, stopped teaching, and there's a lot of reasons I kind of stopped that. And then there, there was a year that when like everybody died, and so um, mm-hmm. um, I sort of stopped all that. And uh, but it had been a very similar thing. And I I actually think about now uh, maybe you know taking Mia a couple days a week because it's a non-impact. Um, oh yeah. Very. You know, it's dynamic, but it's also very gentle on the body, and it's holistic. It um, kind of works your brain too, in addition to the uh, uh, your heart, you know, and lungs and stuff. So I've been thinking about that, but um, but and I probably should lift weights because of my age. Well, you know, the bones are not what they should be. So, mm-hmm. um, but mostly I just I'm kind of.
addicted to running. So yeah, that's, that's mostly the cardio. what I do. Yeah. yeah. What, um, when you talk about when everyone died, the year everyone died, what, what do you, tell, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So in um, 2007, my, uh, my niece had been sick. She was 24 when she died. She had been sick for 500 days. She had osteosarcoma. She, had, she was a runner, mm. and she had uh, pain in her knees, but she was between insurance because she was a student and hadn't taken the insurance plan for the summer because she was not in school. And so she didn't go to the doctor for maybe three months. And by the time she went to the doctor, the tumor in her thigh had broken her femur. So, um, and it was already in her lungs. So, 500 days later, in February of 2007, she died. Mm. Um, and then in, I think it was in May of that year, one of my husband's really good friends died. He had worked with him, and they stayed in touch all these years, and, um, and he died. In August, my husband's father died. Mm. Um, in September, my niece's father Died. He was my sister's um, uh, ex-husband, but, but basically, you know, my brother-in-law died, and my niece, who had just died, her father died, mm-hmm. and then three weeks later, her cat died, and then in October, my mother, um, the, she'd been seeing a man after my father died, uh, so my mother's boyfriend died, and then in November, my mother's best friend died, and then in December, my mother died. Okay. Um, okay. I'm, that's I'm a lot. Choking up yeah. The thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm. Uh, yeah. So you was, know, that's yeah. too much. Yeah. Yeah. It was just. I by January of 2008, I was immobile. I just mm. was. I just. It was just so much. I'm already prone to depression. You know, chronically oh, depressed. And, um. Uh. It just is. You know, kind of my baseline is a low level of depression, and that I just couldn't function. So. I was in grad school, which was crazy, um, and I was able to finish. I had to, I had you know a couple months of projects, and that kind of kept me going. But then once grad school was over in that summer, uh, the following summer, it just felt like somebody had pushed me off a cliff because I didn't even have grad school to kind of drag me through anymore. Sure. And um, uh, so yeah, so that was about a year before I started seeing these posts from the friends and this fibromyalgia friend said, hey, you know, when I break a sweat, I feel better. And, you know, they were trying to help, and uh, and I finally listened. Yeah, you know, it can, I mean, I, I understand, and it, it um, I, I, I really worry and get concerned about people who, you know, are on the couch and, yeah. you know, looking at Facebook and watching other people who are moving, but they can't get themselves up. Yep, yep. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing yeah. that you were able to, to, to get yourself out the door. Maybe it was your dog that helped. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it was. And I, I knew that my niece had been a runner, and I knew that I'd exercised before and that it helped. And my friend, my high school friend, now she wasn't saying anything to me about, you know, her posts were very general, just, just that she was excited. But she was at least as large as I was, a year older, mm-hmm. and she was just doing this tiny thing. I mean, it was tiny, but it was just enough. And I had to, and it says this in the book, I had to re- 
sorry. It took me 22 weeks. Wow. So this was not, you know, but I just knew that if I just kept showing up, because I pretty much immediately got a little bit of benefit. And then here's the other thing that happened for me that, you know, it just won't happen for everybody, is my sister, this is my niece who died's mother, yeah. um, got really involved with us, an osteosarcoma survivors, you know, a group for um, the families of uh, people who died from osteosarcoma. And they decided to have a 5K run, race, walk, some run, whatever. And so about four months after I was starting to do this, she emailed me and said, hey, what do you think about this? And you know, my response was, oh, sorry, I just run you know, in the woods yeah. where nobody can see me. Yeah. <laughs> and, but she kept asking and asking and asking. your first marathon? In Columbus, here in town. Oh, yeah, nice. I did it. Um, they had a seven-hour time limit, which I was pretty sure I could do. Mm-hmm. The, it is the official race for our training club mm-hmm. uh, fall season. I had several other, uh, like all, a whole bunch of friends kept signing up for it. And, um, you know, so like if you hang around at a barber shop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. Yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> uh, so that's how it happened. And then I was able to convince some of my non-runner friends, I gave them a time period of when, like a window of, hey, I'll be at this intersection probably around, you know, this time, mm-hmm. give or take half an hour. Can you just meet me at, you know, mm-hmm. in Victorian Village at Neil and Puddles mm-hmm. or whatever? Mm-hmm. And um, um, and so I, I did that. That's why I, that's why I chose Columbus is because I could get people mm-hmm. to show the back end of the course. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, oh God, I can't stop now because, you know. Yeah, they're waiting, waiting for you. For they're me. waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. So, yeah. Has your relationship to food changed once you started running um, and training for races? Oh, yes and no. I mean, I I will always have an issue with uh, sugar and carbs. I think I just, you know, I have mm-hmm. kind of an addictive personality, and I just I think I will always have that tendency to comfort myself with food Mm -hmm. Um, but the awareness of that has helped and um I don't know I I know I I actually um it was sort of unrelated and it's not in the book because at the time I was on kind of a a strictish diet and it it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. I I just have been a yo-yo person my whole life but um I, I I learned very quickly that you can't outrun your mouth so I can run 22 miles on a Saturday, and if I eat 2,000 calories on a Sunday, I'm going to gain two pounds by Monday. That's yeah. just the way it works. That's the way it works. Right? So, um, yeah. so I had to prove that to myself. And, uh, and now I don't, I, I'm in a place where I don't restrict anything, mm-hmm. but I know what makes me feel better. Yeah, uh, so I too. just try to, I'm just asking myself, Nita, have you had a vegetable today? Have you had anything green? You know, something mm-hmm. like that. 
Mm-hmm. And um, uh, but again, no shame, no shame. Yeah, the course. shame for me will just send me straight to the sugar, yeah. or it will send me straight to bed. Yeah. So um, yeah. um, so I have to do. I've had to really turn the horrible self-critical voice into you know kind of this loving cheerleader. And I, it started in my journals where I keep a I keep a log mm-hmm. like a running log, yeah. and I write. Um, you know, after the log, I'll write about. You know, most people write, well, I ran this pace at this, you know, this, this. I write, well, I saw a Dalmatian and mm-hmm. the lady with the skirt was out walking her cat and, <laughs> you know, and, uh, um, and then at the end, it's a like, good job, Nita, go, go, go. You know, mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> that's what my journals are like. <laughs> so, so, nothing like caricatures, you know, um, or maybe they are, I don't know. But, um, um, but I had to turn those voices around with both weight and food and pace to not compare my pace, you know, mm-hmm. um, anybody else's so uh so i don't know i feel like i kind of i always say i give long answers to very short questions no 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 i i i hear you and it still takes a lot of um self-talk um to talk yourself out of um some of what might keep you inside and i i have some of the same experiences still yeah so have written about that somewhat you know it's good to know that you know we're not alone and nobody is i mean that we really aren't i don't care how who you are, uh, you know, the, the greats have bad days too, so. Yeah, it takes a lot of, um, you know, self-awareness, at least for me, to think about yeah. the connection between what I'm eating and how I'm feeling and whether I'm exercising and how I'm feeling. Because if you don't take those moments to, to be mindful and be self-aware, you, you can get yourself on a path that ultimately doesn't feel good. Yeah, and I did that before. When I met my husband, I was very, very compulsively exercising. I went to the gym every day. I didn't run, I sprinted. Mm-hmm. And I lifted weight compulsively, and I ate, I would, I had a, I would take an apple and a bagel mm-hmm. from the refrigerator, and I would cut it in thirds and put it in a Ziploc bag, and those were my three meals for the day. Wow. And that, I, I, I probably almost killed myself. Wow. Thankfully, I was in therapy or got in therapy shortly after that and was able to pull out of that cycle. But, um, but yeah, it can go very, very badly. Mm-hmm. And that's what was so wonderful about the, seeing my friends who were looked so much more like me mm-hmm. doing this yeah. thing that turned out to not be so hard. And to be able to do it with my dog, yeah. um, you know, it just, it just felt like a whole different world, mm-hmm. like nothing like what I had experienced with the, the punishing exercise that sure. I was you know, trying to beat myself into weight loss and health, quote, you know, quote, unquote, off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I agree. But, and I also, I didn't mention this before, but I do meditate. And I think that, um, you know, the, uh, the sitting and walking meditation that I've done for many, many years mm-hmm. helped because, um, even as I was on the sofa, I was sort of aware of the thoughts and body sensations mm-hmm. that were um, available. And so when it changed, I was aware very quickly, whereas somebody who didn't have that training might not be as awake to that. Yeah, no, no, sure. no. So do you have a preference for walking meditation as opposed to sitting meditation? Um, not really. No, I think they're both... Um, very, very useful. Um, and even lying down meditation, mm-hmm. there's a kind of a thing, it's probably ancient, ancient, but some of my friends are doing this yoga nidra, which is like a 
like yoga napping. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, but, you know, just the whole idea of being conscious of the thoughts and body sensations and trying to develop equanimity around whatever's happening. So, if, and, and it's really, really helpful with injuries, too. I mean, when I had that torn meniscus, well, and in the book it talks a lot about, I had a lot of injuries when I first started. Mm-hmm. They, weren't, they weren't terrible injuries. I, what I had was pain, yeah. but I wasn't used to exercising. Sure. And, uh, but the awareness, you know, I would watch my anxiety go through the roof mm-hmm. and then watch it pass away. And that's true now, too. Like when I tore my meniscus, I, um, you know, I just watched myself go into that kind of panic mode. And, um, and I just sort of tried to let that go so it didn't stay very long. And then I just go back to doing what I was doing. And again, that took some training. I mean, I think I had the meditation training. So I don't really prefer any of it. I just try to be mindful. I mean, when I, even I'm driving the car, even when I was, you know, sitting, uh, typing earlier today, just trying to every once in a while go, okay, where am I? Uh, what do I feel? You know, what, what, okay, I feel my, uh, you know, back against the chair. I feel, oh, there's the sky. Oh, you know, just try to be present. Oh, maybe mm-hmm. once in a while. So, yeah. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your upcoming book? Yes, I'm happy, happy to talk about that. So um, my memoir, um, Depression Hates a Moving Target, How Running With My Dog Brought Me Back From the Brink, will be available from Mango Publishing in spring of 2019. And I've told you a lot of the story, really. It's just the journey of me being on the sofa and one day you know, seeing these nudges, and they weren't even nudges. I mean, they weren't directed at me at all, but watching these other people and thinking, it doesn't sound that hard. And then how um, that, over a period of about a year and a half, uh, turned into me running my first marathon. And, you know, it involves finding a fellowship, joining a running group, getting support, um, learning, um, getting the right equipment. Um, Hang on one second, we've got High yeah. school students are leaving. Sure, no worries. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So um, so it's it's that whole journey, you know, finding the right equipment, uh, finding professionals, and then the and the mental health journey too. There's a lot of panic attacks and anxiety and paranoia and hypochondria. <laughs> you know, I just I was always convinced uh, like one of our case coaches had a pulmonary embolism and so um, you know, she had a deep, deep vein thrombosis that went into her lungs to pulmonary embolism. And then, so for weeks afterwards, I was convinced that I had a DVT in pulmonary embolism. You know, that's what I do. And um, um, so it's, you know, it's kind of, it's like, how, how did I manage my mental health system symptoms in order to, to be able to achieve these things? But also, how did doing those things help me manage my mental health system? So it sort of goes both ways, um, and it's that whole journey, and you know, with dogs. So, um, mm-hmm. but uh, and the dog kind of has, you know, his personalities in there. He's always kind of telling me what to do. So, kind of fun. So. That's awesome. So, um, what is your next race? Oh well, I think it's going to be the Cleveland Marathon. There's a group of about ten. Um, people in my running group who are going to do Cleveland and normally I would have a half marathon lined up pretty much every month or every other month. I've mm-hmm. that for years and um, uh, but I, I, when we were, when I got into book contract then I had to kind of set everything
everything aside to really focus focus on the book. And I wasn't sure exactly when the book was coming out, and I wanted to uh, possibly launch or, you know, do an expo or something like that. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do that until I had books. So I haven't really scheduled anything. Um, But that's what we're talking about right now. It's part of the Cleveland Marathon. That'll be May, I think it's Mm -hmm. May 19th. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that'll probably probably be, I mean, I do, you know, a 5K first on the first. We're doing the ugly sweater run on Saturday. I do all that kind of stuff. And we start training officially again in January. And most of those people will be doing um, either the Flying Pig, in Cincinnati or the Cap City, uh, Capital City Half Marathon here in Columbus. Mm-hmm. That's what the official races will be for. So I'll run that training schedule, even if I'm training for Cleveland. We'll just, you know, figure it out, try to figure that out. Have you I'm ever done like a, um, like a destination run, like plan a vacation around a, um, like a race somewhere outside of oh, Ohio? Uh, yeah, oh my gosh, we've done that. We did, uh, um, I think my favorite so far, my husband really likes the presidential libraries. Mm-hmm. And so I think my favorite trip so far, um, first of all, let me explain. There's this race series called Mainly Marathons, and they do um, races on weekdays in weird little places like county fairgrounds. You do these loop courses. So you can run in seven states in seven days. Now, I didn't do that, but that's why I could run on race on a Wednesday. So we flew into Boston, went to the JFK Library, and the Kennedy uh, Institute for the Senate, which was amazing. And then we drove halfway across Massachusetts, and I ran a half marathon in um, the college, I'm forgetting, but it's like in the middle of Maryland, uh, or uh, Massachusetts, not Maryland, Massachusetts. Um, so I ran a half marathon there. And then we took a couple of days and did um, some other things. He, uh, uh, My husband spent some time in a Zen monastery in the Catskills, and so we went to Zen Mountain Monastery and saw that. And, uh, and then on, on uh, uh, Friday, um, we ended up in New York, went to the Roosevelt Library um, and the Culinary Institute of America, mm. and then on Saturday, I ran a half marathon in New York, so I checked off two states in seven days, <laughs> and two presidential libraries, and two other museums, so yeah, we do we do a little bit of traveling, for, <laughs> but we always kind of combine it with something, so my husband's not, you know, just sort of standing around watching me run in circles. Sure. So. When you um when you get ready for a race, either the night before or the morning of, is there anything in particular that runs through your head that you have to sort of um, push aside? Oh yeah, I'm gonna get lost. I'm gonna get lost. I'm gonna get lost. Uh-huh. I'm gonna get lost. I'm gonna get lost. I'm gonna get lost. Uh-huh. That's always. And even though I have Google Maps, I didn't always have a smart. I think I had a smartphone, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't understand the technology at all. I didn't have a smartwatch. I didn't have any of that kind of stuff. And, but it doesn't matter. Now I have like a top-of-the-line Garmin watch. I mm-hmm. have a you know, smartphone with Google Maps. And I, my first thought is, I'm going to get lost. I'm going to get lost. I'm going to get lost. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm going to get swept off the course. I'm going to be too slow. They're going to sweep me off the course. And I don't care if it's a, a mar- if I'm running a half and there's a marathon with a seven-hour time limit. I still think that. Yeah. So, um, uh, so those things are always kind of... <laughs> Uh, and now I see them as sort of like these friends. Um, oh, yeah, there you are again. Hi. Mm. Hi. Welcome back. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a list. I have a packing list. Yeah. That's sort of a scrawled packing list that I keep adding to. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've kind of, you know, I've, I've traveled. The 26 halves I've done have mm-hmm. been in uh, 18 states. Mm-hmm. So I've done um, a bit of traveling. And two of the fools were in Columbus, but one was in Xenia, so that's a hour, about an hour and a half away from Columbus, mm-hmm. so I did travel for that, but, sure. um, but uh, 
definitely your, um, going to get lost. Yeah. And mine is um, mine is that my my skeleton's gonna crumble, oh, wow. um, which is like I just like visualize it, you know, like like I have like a picture of like a Halloween skeleton that just kind of crumbles. Um, oh my god! That's my. Um, oh, that's fantastic! Flashes so what do you do with that? What do you do with that thought? Um, how do you? I probably do the same thing you do. Is I say hi, hi there, <laughs> uh, yeah. nice to see you again. But um, I didn't crumble the last time. So yeah. I don't think yeah, it's well, going to crumble this time. Have you? No, of course not. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know people who have, they haven't crumbled, but they have yeah. broken bones. No, 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 no. I'm totally fine. I mean, I've had the same kind of little injuries that you've had, mostly because I didn't yeah. exercise for so long, and I um, I've learned how to kind of like work around them. Um, right. But That's what I've, I've done. every time I step my foot on the pavement, this flash comes through my head that everything's gonna like just everything's gonna come apart. Like, yeah. like they're yeah. like Lego pieces. Um, mm. And so, and then I just laugh. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I do. My, I guess I do have one that's a little different too, that's more that every time I go to run, um, it's I'm gonna pass out. Mm. I'm gonna pass out, I can't breathe, I'm gonna pass out, I can't breathe. Mm. And the truth is that I'm usually holding my breath mm. because I'm anxious. Yeah. And so if I can remember, oh, just don't hold your breath, <laughs> yeah. then I don't, you know, even feel like I'm gonna pass out, but that's, sure. yeah, it's pretty, I think it's pretty common for runners to, I often wonder if we're not all, like, secretly running off anxiety. Yeah. I just, oh, definitely. I don't really no do. Question. I really think there's some, you know, level of that. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And do you have a favorite post-race meal, favorite food uh, that you think about, like, the last two miles? Yeah. Weird, but that's that is I, funny. I, it's not. It's not conscious. I just once we get there, I don't want them anymore. It is we true. We always yeah. talk about. You know, it's like especially when it's like women running. Yeah. You know, all the time we're on the we're running along. We try not to do this, but we're talking about you know what's the next diet we're gonna try and how mm-hmm. the current diet is working and and mm-hmm. what was the best diet we're ever on. Blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. then five minutes later, we're talking about pancakes, waffles, <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> it's it's like ridiculous. It's that's, true. You know, it's funny that you say that because I always think about eating a hamburger the last oh, few yeah. miles of a long run and I never eat a hamburger <laughs> but uh, it is what vi- it's what I'm visualizing uh, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting because once I sit yeah. down to order it doesn't appeal to me yeah once I get to the yeah. restaurant I don't really want a pancake or you know yeah. somebody might have a pancake and they'll like cut me a piece off yeah. or something like that but yeah. I don't I don't want a whole pancake yeah. I might want a bite of something sweet yeah. um Chocolate milk is kind of a big yeah, thing. I like we that. Have, yeah. uh, they're not doing it anymore. We have a dairy, a Snowville Creamery mm. dairy here in Columbus. It's fantastic. And they come to a lot of the races. And uh, as a promo, they'll give you know, chocolate milk samples. And so we're always very, very happy when they show up mm-hmm. and give us their little chocolate milk samples. So they're very tasty. Well, but thank so, you so yeah. much time for spending um, a few minutes with me today, this afternoon, oh. to talk about yourself and um, what you're doing, what you're up to, and your book. And I am very, very excited to read the whole thing. I've read some sample pages, and you're an incredibly wonderful writer, a very oh, gi- very you. gifted writer. I really, I can feel um, your energy in, in the pages, and I really enjoy that. I mean, I love reading running books anyway, but yeah, I think I, I think of, people... You know, oh, that's me too. I but just, it's not your average running book. It's really well written, and I think that... Um, 
I, I just can't wait to see it when it comes out. Well, so, thank you so much. I really welcome. appreciate you asking me, and uh, you know, your questions were great. And uh, thank you. And if you ever come to Washington yeah. to do a race here, let me know. I'd love to do a run with you. Um, oh, that'd be great. And if I come yeah. out there, I will. There's I will. We were there in May. Actually, we did. Uh, I did the. Uh, oh, what was that crazy dash through the dirt or something like that along the uh, trail? The oh, what was that? Oh my God, that sounds wonderful. Like the locks canal. The canal. Oh yeah. It? Was it it? What it was? Was it a race or was it like a walk, a trail race? Or? No, it was a race. Yeah, it, was a, it was kind of a trail race, but it wasn't really trail trail. It was um, uh, on the towpath. Yeah, I know. They 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 do them pretty regularly, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it was, we happened to be in Maryland for mm-hmm. a conference. My husband was at. That's the other thing we do. He'll go to a conference, mm-hmm. and I'll try to find a race that's yeah. within mm-hmm. you know like an hour or two drive. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I had to skip Maryland because of my torn meniscus. I was mm-hmm. going to do. Um, uh, Baltimore, a yeah. uh, women's women's yeah. race in yeah. Baltimore half marathon. Sure. And so this was a half marathon, and um, it was on the was it, it's the CNO Canal. Maybe? Yeah, it was on the I, canal. Yeah, because I um, that's where I run regularly with my running partner, and we we've often seen um, there are small yeah. races that happen there too. But it's really nice. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's really nice. It was gorgeous. So. It was it was uh, June, and it was about. 85 degrees mm. and 170 percent humidity with 3,000 mosquitoes and it was <laughs> wonderful yeah <laughs> except for the mosquitoes yeah <laughs> but if we if we get back there i'll definitely look you up thank you thank you I thank you we'll have a wonderful holiday and i look forward to staying in touch and reading the entire book when it comes out yeah Thanks thank you lot. so much it was nice bye. talking to you nita bye-bye great talking to you bye-bye you've been listening to a production of my brain on endorphins Special thanks to Owen Kelly for mixing and engineering and for the awesome theme music. Thanks for listening.